0: Are the ducks ready to go from rebuilding to just building patrick president of inside the rink joins where we have the state of the franchise for the nim ducks uh and we talk about this team that has been rebuilding if they're ready to take that next step with new coach uh some new big uh, pieces including uh carlson who they drafted second overall so all that and more on today's episode of locked on sharks
1: Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, welcome to... Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at Inside the Rink. Uh, I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. uh, Probably a part of the Locked on Network, where we cover your team every day. If you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is just follow on wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. Um, Great news, we'll be back to five episodes a week starting on September 18th uh so mark your calendars for that uh, especially with all the stuff that goes right here at the rookie tournament coming up uh you've got plenty of good stuff with, with training camp plenty of training camp battles uh so we make sure we have you covered with that but today we're gonna be looking at the anaheim ducks and what the sharks can learn from their rebuild as they're kind of a couple years ahead of the sharks and um as they're again great line here taking the re out of rebuild now they're just building. With some of their core pieces. Um, so but before we do all that, do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you guys by bird dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdownhl or enter promo code lockdown for a free water bottle with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And now we bring in Patrick Present of Inside the Hockey, where he covers all things ducks over there.
1: Patrick, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty well, man. Uh, it was a hot day today, but I can feel autumn on the horizon and uh, hockey on the horizon with it. Um, you know, just just ready for it, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, ready for it. But then by like December, it's like, when's the draft going to be? Here? <laughs> because uh, I, I have a feeling both these teams probably won't be in the playoffs, But I, I think things are starting to hopefully turn around for the Ducks. Um, so let's start there the state of the Anaheim Ducks franchise. So where what's where are the Ducks at right now?
1: Yeah, so I think uh you said it like there's there's hope on the horizon, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um we're still in this rebuild that we've been in for a while now, but um you know, there's like we all know there's three phases to a rebuild. There's, you know, the selling off portion and then there's the you know, bottoming out and then there's the build it back up and I think I've been kind of workshopping a, a little tagline, and I think it's time that the Ducks take the re out of rebuild, start to mm-hmm. really build around all this talent that they've drafted over the last handful of seasons because it's been, you know, five years now of missing the playoffs and drafting in the top 10. And in those picks, we've, you know, the Ducks have drafted Segrist, Drysdale, McTavish, Minchikov, and now Carlson. So it's time to start really developing these guys and, you know, start building around them insulating them and um, kind of nurturing them as well through this development as as we kind of claw our way out of the gutter. And, um, you know, the uh, Ducks social media right now is is putting a tagline of their own out there saying it's a new era of Ducks hockey. Obviously, it's my handle. So I'm all for it. You know, we're a year and (laughs) a half into. Yeah, we're a year and a half into Verbeek's, Pat Verbeek's uh, tenure as general manager, and we're seeing his vision start to come to fruition he's hired his first nhl head coach greg cronin uh all all accounts say that you know he cast a wide net and searched over under every rock to find this guy and it's his first opportunity and from what we've seen he's like a he's like a mix of old school new school he has like you know he's gonna get blood from a stone and really get the most out of these guys but at the same time he's Modern in the sense that he's willing to adapt his system to his roster and listen to analytics and things like that. So, you know, between between um, Cronin and Verbeek, and then they hired a new AHL head coach as well for all this young talent coming up. um, There's like this hive mind um, emphasis on developing these these players. So now it's just time to start, you know, building around them and, and putting them in positions to succeed.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can kind of start there with the head coach and we were talking beforehand. I, I thought this ducks team last year, especially with a lot of talent was going to kind of start to, you know, you, you, you mentioned it going from the, you know, taking the re out of the rebuild. I always call it going into that fun frisky phase of, yeah. of kind of your team building, right. You go from I, the rebuilding to your fun frisky to your like contender. And that's yeah. you're hoping the ducks would start to kind of make that transition into a fun frisky team. Um, but I think the coaching was just terrible on that team last year, right? You look at, you know, especially the special teams, right? They were one of the worst special teams units. And it shouldn't be that way, especially with all the talent. I know they're young players. McTavish, uh, zegris I know drysell missed uh, basically the entire season last year. Mm-hmm. But, like, it felt like this team was just underperforming. Um, and they got ended up getting the second pick in the draft out of it, um, which we'll get to the draft here in a, in a couple yeah. of minutes. but. How much do you think just maybe a fresh voice is going to do so much for for this team
1: uh, heading into this year? I think they desperately, well, I think they were missing the leader in the room, Ryan Getzloff, who Mm -hmm. it was his first year after retirement last year. But I think less of a stale voice because Aiken's kind of, he gets the guys to compete. He's just not. I don't want to talk too poorly about him, but he's just not the tactician that that, that team needed and that mm-hmm. on-ice structure that that team needed. And, you know, he put out a system that was really inconducive to the roster at hand, meaning like they they were trying to play like the Carolina Hurricanes when they didn't have that kind of structure. And they should have been more free-flowing like maybe Seattle was or yeah. the Ottawa even. And I think just the unwillingness to adapt the system to the roster it was a big uh, faux pas last year. And I'm hoping that Greg Cronin from all again, like he seems like a kind of a big hockey nerd. He he'll watch like Mm -hmm. hours of game film a night and, and really study systems and tactics and analytics and things. And will is willing to tweak what he brings, um, you know, on the chalkboard. So I think that's the biggest thing as far as, you know, the coach coaching is concerned. All right. What do you think was the biggest
0: storyline heading into this offseason for the Ducks, other than, of course, the search for a new head coach?
1: Yeah, there were a couple, um, but the one I want to focus on is the are the restricted free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, there were four major ones, I think, for the long term of the of the success of the team. There was um, Lucas Dostal, who's like the goaltender of the future, heir apparent to John Gibson. They signed him pretty quickly to a two year, I think, eight hundred k per year deal. Yep, and then. Uh, Troy Terry which got solved like they pushed it right up until the arbitration meeting like they're about to head into the <laughs> meeting and like, signed on the dotted line which is great it was a good deal for Terry good for the Ducks it was seven years seven million dollars per year but it just was kind of bothersome why it took so long like why are you nickel and diming you know a a, a two-time yeah. all-star and one of the lone bright spots on the team so that was kind of irksome uh, <laughs> Just because we all knew what that contract was going to look like um, yep. going into it. And then right now, the guys that haven't been signed are Zgris and Drysdale. Zgris is a kind of similar situation where it's getting a little frustrating because there's been so much precedent as, around the league on what that contract should look like, right? You yep. want Trevor Zgris on the team for the next eight seasons, presumably, um, especially from ownership because he's the most marketable young player in the, in the league. So, you know, um, I'm I'm willing to bet that 90% of jersey sales are Trevor Zegers. So he's really important to the team's bottom line. Yes. And when you look... 90% yeah, of right. Ducks, uh, jersey sales. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. That would be yeah, amazing that's, if... That's, that's <laughs> what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm, I'm very Ducks focused, if you can't tell. That's <laughs> all right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just think with Hughes contract, Caulfield, Boldy, Cousins, Stutzler, like we know it's going to be an eight-year deal. If it's an eight-year deal, it's going to be like... Seven seven five or eight two five. yeah, but like at this point, just whatever it takes. And I'm kind of worried he wants the Austin Matthews treatment, the like walk me to free agency type thing. But um, you know, we'll see. We might end up in an Elias Petterson Jason Robertson type deal where his next contract might be pretty pricey, and then yeah, and you, then Drysdale's the last one, yeah. sorry. And with Drysdale, no,
0: like I think with him, it's especially with the injury, right? Kind of maybe kicking the can down a little bit and see yeah. how he continues to develop but like with zegras right you see and i think this this is going to with the sharks of so william ecklin and will smith potentially can mm-hmm. probably gonna be the same boat where you see these young players when they get to these you know like they, they finish up their elcs usually it works out for the team when you just sign them to a long-term deal right like yeah you know look at kill McCart. that deals that deals aging like fine wine that that deals look like a steal here in like three years when the cap goes up um you know you like you said some of these other guys like just pay them through their like through their prime years and you get into trouble i think like what the sharks used to do with timo meyer and tomah Hurdle, where Mm -hmm. you do these bridge deals and then all of a sudden you're kind of they're 27 and you have to try to decide do i sign them to a long-term deal uh compared to you know getting them through their age you know 24 through 32 season or something like that like that's, that's when you, those are what smart teams do. Right? I think that's, that's, if I'm ducks, I'm trying to sign him to an eight year deal as soon as I possibly exactly. can, because it's going to be, the deal is going to be a steal for you in the future.
1: Yeah. We're in kind of a tricky situation with it too, because like everyone knows the cap's going to go up. So I'm, I'm, if I'm him, I don't want an eight year deal. I want the, the shorter term, but yeah. like at a certain point security matters. So honestly whatever it takes to to get him for eight years up within reason like to me like mid eights is within reason especially because the cap is going up
0: yeah it totally makes sense right Is is yeah i I think it's gonna be very interesting to see uh for a shark spin of it what mike greer does when he's got to start to kind of Mm -hmm. resign a couple Several years from now, but what what my career is going to have to do when he has to resign his the the, the core pieces to the sharks uh, uh the sharks pool here soon. So exactly. All right, guys. Before we continue with Patrick, uh we talked about the off season that was. We talked about the draft, of course, drafting Leo Carlson, uh, some of the moves that the ducks made this off season. I do want to let you guys know about our good friends over at Bird Dogs uh and if you're like me, right, you know it is, we're, we're winding down the days of, of summer here and the, of the great weather. Um, but you need a pair of shorts that can cover no matter what you do, right? Maybe Saturday morning, you're running around with the kids for, you got a bunch of sporting events you got to go to. You got to go to Target, you got go to go Costco. Maybe you're out of the brewery in the evening. Um, maybe you're over at some friend's house. You need a pair of shorts that can cover anything you're doing and make you look good Um, bird dogs, the way to go. They have anti stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day. They're functional for every occasion. Like I said, right. Wearing my bird dogs all weekend long Um, and the built-in underwear, very skeptical at first, but they are great. They keep you cooler, keep you drier, keep things from itching and bunching up. Um, And again, they just feel great. I'm wearing some right now. Um, so go check out Bird Dogs. Uh, make sure you guys go uh, birddogs.com slash locked NHL or use the promo code locked NHL. They'll send you a free water bottle with any purchase again. Uh, use the promo code locked Get that free water bottle. You won't want to take off your Bird Dogs. We promise you. Let's talk about the draft. So, of course, um, the Ducks. Had the first several odds, of course. Uh, we all know the the draft was rigged in Chicago, of course, because uh, <laughs> us California kids we can't have anything nice. But um, everyone was like Adam Fantilli, Adam Fantilli, Adam Fantilli. How shocked were you when the Ducks picked Leo Carlson?
1: Mildly, maybe more than mildly, because you know we'd heard for months. Bedard one, Fantilli two, yeah. Carlson yeah. three. About a month out, we started hearing rumblings saying, you know, uh, this might not be the slam dunk number two overall pick. Beek. might go a different direction. He might have some tricks up his sleeve. Uh, and it, those just got louder in the weeks and days and hours leading into the draft. And lo and behold, uh, Carlson was the pick and honestly a little disappointed, but... Um, I got over that very quickly just because he's very good. Exactly. (laughs) And honestly, what, what kind of helped was how confident Pat Verbeek and the scouting staff were that to go that far against consensus. Not that it's a huge Mm -hmm. stretch, but against consensus nonetheless. And it just shows that they had confidence in the player and themselves as scouts. And it kind of gave me confidence in return. Um, And it's not hard to see why he's just, he's, you know, the size, the two-way ability, puck protection. He's like the whole package. Um, I, his, the IQ is the thing that stands out. He is, he, I say he's like playing chess for the entire game. Um, he's thinking a couple steps ahead all the time. And I just think that's obviously what they valued um, when they selected him. So, again, not hard to talk yourself into that pick. And, yeah, his, his development is going to be very important. Obviously, his, he's SHL, AHL, or NHL eligible. So uh, they just need to handle his development this season, especially with with the utmost care and um, very calculated approach I I would take with, with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because this is... Yeah, sorry.
0: No, no, it's fine. I was going to say, it's going to be very interesting. You know, do they send him back to the SHL where he, you know, was putting up numbers we had not seen from a player of his age in the SHL? Do you let him... Come play in the backyard down in San Diego. We can kind of keep him close to home, let him get used to the, the NHL, you know, kind of the, the North American game, right. Um, Cause there's always that kind of transition, yep. you know, kind of a little bit more physical game um, in, in North America, or if he's ready, do you just throw him in there and see what happens? And um, I mean, he's already signed his, his ELC, right. So he can mm-hmm. play whatever uh, he wants there. So yeah, it's going to be really intriguing, but I mean, you, you think back to even a couple of years ago when they, the ducks picked McCavish and even at the time that would, at number three, a lot of people thought that might have been a bit of a reach there. But, right. you know, McTavish is looking like an outstanding pick um, for, the, for the Ducks right now. And, um, yeah, maybe you just trust the Ducks to pick centers because they just seem to be really good at it right now. So Centers and D. Centers and D, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, I mean, even goalies, you know, you, you guys have. Yeah, goalies too. Yeah, they're just good at picking players. Uh, I <laughs> guess when you have a lot of top end. Uh, you got a few cracks at it. You probably get pretty good at it. But, right. yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Carl, what the ducks do with Carlson this year, because it feels like they've been, you know, wanting to kind of build this thing, right. You don't want to rush him. But at the same time, like I know, I know the franchise isn't like we kind of talked about before the franchise isn't supposed to start winning, but at some point, like you'd like to see some progress with these guys and Leo Carlson is going to be a
1: huge, huge part of that going forward. Yeah. Very important piece. Uh, Like maybe the most important pick in, in franchise history, to be honest, just based on how stacked this draft was at the top end throughout. So yeah, I think just whatever decision they make. And I think Verbeek has come out and said, like, we're gonna try him in the NHL, whether that's preseason, the nine games, and then we're gonna see if that sticks. If not, he'll try out in the AHL or try some games in the AHL. If that doesn't stick back to the SHL, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh just whatever the whatever happens, they need like they need to have a game plan. If he does so well at whatever level then adjust accordingly i would say you know what i mean yeah like you don't want to shane right on where he's like playing for four different teams and
0: a a season right type of thing and i mean shane right is probably still gonna turn out perfectly fine but it's it's Mm -hmm. just tough for these you know 18 year old kids to kind of go through that process of of,
1: you know like let them stick and simmer for a little bit and kind of figure out their thing so um there's the sorry there's the like there's the philosophy of like you don't want to rush him but you don't want to way over marinate them you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah
0: you don't want to yeah don't hold them back but yeah like don't so um and then the rest of the draft will kind of cut some of the guys uh nico uh Maitovic, who i loved um the ducks picked at number 33 overall mm-hmm. in the second round they also picked uh damien clara the first italian born goalie yeah, uh, in boy. the second round so pretty i think again the Ducks. Just going trust their drafting um <laughs> they're probably gonna be pretty good uh especially any defenseman who they pick is just gonna be amazing because they just pick amazing defensemen um at all times but yeah, yeah. um overall thoughts on, on on the draft uh
1: i thought well when you look at um how many picks the ducks had in this draft and they were obviously their defense pipeline was pretty good you can kind of focus on forwards yep. i thought it was very interesting the the mayatovic pick um as long as well as later in the second round, they took Kerry Terrence, another forward, and at the top of the third, Colson Petre, another forward. And I just want to focus on them because they bring like a similar skill set and where they're like high motor for checking kind of, you know, small area guys who claim finish and, mm-hmm. you know, are physical. And when you think about who you want to surround your Zgris and mctavishes with, I think you want a player who, yeah, can go. Go get the puck and and give it to me in space and and get to the net and bang home some rebounds and, you know, um, I think that's what they bring and I think that was a very interesting calculated strategy that they took. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, again, like you said, you're
0: you feel really good about their blue line pipeline. Set, spend mm-hmm. some assets on the forwards and see if you can continue to insulate around uh, some of your star players. Finding those kind of pieces that that fit with who you think are going to be long term guys. So. Um, let's head over to free agency where the ducks had, uh, had some money to spend and, uh, they did sign some guys. Uh, so I think what, who do you think was the biggest sign? I'll, I'll let
1: you pick. Uh, I mean, there were two, but the biggest one I think is Kalorn. just, um, yeah, four years at, at 6.25 million per year, it jumps out at you, but like we just talked about with those, those three players that, that they drafted, he's kind of the guy that's going to, Go win a battle in the corner and and get to the front of the net and and be responsible defensively and he brings that veteran presence that you need and you know again between him and Gudis they've represented the the other you know free agent that they signed them mm-hmm. but um they uh, they represented the last four Stanley Cup final appearances um so yeah that's just what they're going to bring is yes they're going to be tough SOBs to play against um but I think it's a little more than that just based on like how they play, I think it's very complementary to the 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 pieces you need to help right now. Yeah. And like you said, having those veteran guys who've kind of been there done that right.
0: Um, and I think it's it's always interesting how teams kind of approach this rebuild, right? You kind of have like a team like the centers, right? Who kind of moving into that fun frisky phase. Um uh, yep. but they don't really have a lot of veteran guys, right? It's, it's kind of like letting all these kids kind of figure them it out themselves. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, like the ducks here where they have a lot of young guys, but then they've also have some of these veteran guys who've kind of been there and done that and kind of show the way for these guys uh, and still be assets uh, for them. You know, not that these guys aren't just kind of riding around uh, hanging yeah. out with them, but you know, I, I think it's really interesting, different approach. And I, I'm more being on that way of like having, adults in the room to help you kind of figure things out. I think it goes a long way um, for, for the, uh, for your team. So um, what do you think is the biggest question remaining for, for the ducks and free agency? I know, again, we're not expecting ducks to be, you know, a playoff type of team, but as you, again, take the re out of rebuild, um, what do you think uh, some areas that they might try to address here as we head into the, uh, the training camp?
1: Well, Um, there's a big, there's a big one, uh, elephant in the room is John Gibson. Mm -hmm. Uh, he has formally, I guess, requested a trade. He may or may not have said some things to people in the media that have been disputed, but, um, I just think I kind of equate where Gibson is now to where Eric Carlson was last year in the sense that if you look at Eric Carlson a year ago, that's an untradeable contract. He's not the player he used to be. 100 points in a Norris Trophy later, he's out the door for a first-round pick and three players, and you can quibble with the return. I kind of really liked it for the Sharks. It's fine. um, Yeah. I mean, if you can flip those players, then, you you know... You basically get...
0: Yeah. You basically get out of
1: Carlson's deal two years sooner. It's kind of, the yeah, and but yes, anyway. saving $40 million over four years is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of the same thing with, with Gibson is that I think if he can reestablish some of his value throughout the league, because it's like, I know I'm a Homer, but I still think there's talent there. He's a very talented goalie. I would put him borderline elite, but he was again, just in such a terrible, terrible situation last season. Um, and in the previous handful that um, I think he I know the stats aren't good the analytics aren't good but I think the Ducks were so bad that they kind of broke those models <laughs> you know what I mean because I was watching Gibson under a microscope and I'm I'll tell you that like 95% of the goals he let in were unstoppable like backdoor tap-ins yeah. cross ice one-timers breakaways screens tips all of it so he's better than his numbers and I think if his numbers can improve under a better coach and in, in front of a better defense, then he might establish some of the value he's lost over the last couple of seasons.
0: Yeah. I I think John Gibson could still be a really good uh, goalie for a team. I could still eat. I could see him, you know, uh, behind a, you know, kind of cup winning, you know, talented team. Uh, But Yeah. yeah, like if you're the, if the doesn't matter who's in front of you, if, like, if, if, yeah, if it's a train wreck and it, you could have Patrick Waugh yeah. back there and it's not going to matter. Like, you're, it's, it's the, we, we've watched basically the same team for the past two seasons or past couple uh-huh. seasons. They're both bad <laughs> and they both give up a lot of, uh, terrible, they put their goalies in a lot of terrible situations here. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, it's going to be intriguing what they do with him because you could probably get, Again, we'll see. But if you look at a team like L.A. right across the, you know, uh, just up the highway, whose goaltending looks super shaky to me going into this season. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, the Sharks are paying more to Martin Jones to not play hockey than the Kings are playing for their for both their goalies combined this season. That's um, insane. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I think you could. I know he's got a couple of years left on his contract, but you could potentially Get a nice little haul for him if he has a good beginning of the season trade him at the trade deadline and then kind of go from there or maybe fresh coach maybe new beginnings with the team maybe reinvigorates uh gibson he finds his love again for uh anaheim and that's not unheard of yeah yeah water under the bridge players get upset all the time and end up staying so yeah i It'll be interesting. I think that's one of the big storylines for this this upcoming season is Gibson, and then of course uh, Hellebuck up in uh, Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. What happens to both those guys? So, all right, guys. Before we finish up with Patrick, and we talk about the Ducks, and if they can start to kind of crawl out of the the basement of the Pacific um and maybe be the sixth worst team in the pacific instead of being the last team um do though want to thank you guys for making lockdown sharks your first listen probably a part of the lockdown network we cover your team every day and we back to five days a week starting september um so make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts or you can subscribe on youtube as well We've got plenty of good stuff coming up as we start getting ready for the rookie face-off tournament um we're gonna have, can finish up our state of the franchise with the Vegas golden knights uh coming up here soon as well uh so again you don't want to miss any of that especially with all the big training camp battles coming up this this training camp and a very intriguing training camp for the Sharks. Uh, So again, make sure you guys follow wherever you get podcasts. And of course you can watch on YouTube as well. All right. What is the looking ahead to the 2023, 2024 season? What is the best case and
1: worst case scenarios for the Ducks this year? Well, best case standings aside, I just want to see the young players progress like the guys in the the young players are already in the NHL, but also the AHL. I think that's the biggest thing they've stated that themselves. Um, and if the team respond and the team responding well to Greg Cronin and him implementing a system that is conducive to the roster is, will go a long way. That's part of the best case scenario. And then also, um, playing, playing meaningful games later in the season is, is the, like the, the benchmark, I think, you know, I, th- um, I want to be. I want the ducks to be this season where Buffalo was last season, or Detroit, Ottawa. Maybe not to New Jersey's level, but like they shocked some people. No one expected them to do what they did. Yeah. Um, but kind of take those next steps, um, and if all things go right, I'd. <laughs> I'd like to not have to scout the top of the draft in November. <laughs> like, yeah, like I don't need picking in the teens this year. Like, let's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like as much as fun as that is as it's been for the last five seasons, I'd, I, I don't want to be watching Macklin Celebrini and Demidov and Keiserman and Oh, that. I do. I'm so excited. Oh, I, I know you do. <laughs> I would, too. like but, um, but I and I might still, but I just don't want to do it in November. I want to play meaningful games through the new year and maybe the all-star break um, yeah, and draft anywhere between like eight and 15, 13, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That, and, yeah, that, then, that
0: feels like, especially where we've seen the ducks the past couple of seasons and yeah, you're playing meaningful hockey. Um, you're a fun team to watch, right? You see the young guys player, like you can see mm-hmm. like, the future. And then you go into next offseason, you're going to have a ton of cap space still again. Um, you know, I, I think the ducks are projected to have forty-four million dollars in cap space. Granted, they still have a, a Zegas contract they got to hand out, but they're gonna have plenty of cap space if they want to mm-hmm. be aggressive in what should be a much better free agency class next year. Um where then you can start to kind of make some moves and start to kind of, you know join that fun frisky
1: group. So I I assume the worst case scenario is the ducks are picking in the top three again, right? That's not necessarily worst case. As long as again, the younger players progress and that we, if we find Cronin's the guy, then, Mm -hmm. then we're in a good spot. But I think worst case is that Greg Cronin clashes as the new head coach with the star players and the young players don't make the steps they need. And, and Carlson struggles wherever he plays Because especially Cronin and Carlson, because if we start to question that, those two things, those are the Verbeek's two biggest moves, the ones he's stuck his neck out for and banged his fist for. And if those two are coming into question in year one of of them in the organization, then we have to start questioning that Verbeek and then where it's just like a spiral. So let's avoid that. Especially if uh, Fantilli is like burning down the league over in Columbus.
0: And yeah, yeah, then you're going to be, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of questions uh, quickly. So, um, all right. Um, The Ducks have a a ton of young players, but who do you think is the impact rookie or young player for this team this year?
1: I mean, it's Carlson, but I'll I'll go a different direction. Um, You know, Dostal is going to be important. McTavish is going to be important. I'm going to highlight Jamie Drysdale though um he did miss most of last season all but eight games um he he made a lot of strides in the in those eight games though noticeable ones like the things that were plaguing him in his rookie year were things like getting beat out of corners and getting bullied in front of the net he respected the austin matthews and nathan mckinnons of the world a little bit too much and those mm-hmm. problems seem to to deaden in his uh sophomore season. And he did he did put up 32 points as a rookie, which is pretty good for a defenseman. Yes. Um, so I think if he can get his development back on track and then because he's kind of forgotten in this ducks prospect pool that has Olin Zellweger and Pavel Minchukov, Tristan Leno, I can go on and on. Yes. Um but uh he kind of gets forgotten, and I think he still has this this two-way electric ability to you know, maybe not be a a power play one or PK one guy, but be PP two, PK two. like a super version
0: of like your second. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Be like a Jared Spurgeon with like Mm. a little more dynamic ability Um, and a, and a true top pair guy. I think if, if he can kind of realize that potential and get a little bit more aggressive and assertive um, you know, he has the elite tools. He just needs, you know, a little more, a little more dog. Um, <laughs> a little more. But uh, I think, yeah. yeah. And then if he, if he can, you know, realize his potential, they have like just a, another stud back there on on defense. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this season coming back off this injury. All right, who's the Ducks' more, most important player this year? Um, Carlson. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> it, I'll say Troy Terry. Okay. He just signed um, that big contract. Let's keep it going. He just signed a big contract. I think. He seems like the heir apparent to Ryan Goslav to wear the C in uh, in Anaheim, I think, just because mm. he's like he's well spoken and smart guy. He's a student of the game, um, but he's a nice little bridge between the veterans, the you know Fowler and Kalorns, and the young guys, the McTavish Zegerses. The so if he can kind of be that voice in the room that they lacked last season, for sure, uh, I think it's going to go a long way toward the future of the franchise.
0: Makes sense. All right. Last question.
1: Where do the ducks finish in the Pacific this year? Um, It's funny. Like I I'm so optimistic that they're going to be like, maybe pushing for a playoff spot. Mm. Doubt it. No, no, no. <laughs> but that's optimistic, but, but drafting, drafting later. But then I look around the league and I see their roster comparatively. I'm like, uh, maybe there's like three teams that are for sure. Worse. There's like San Jose, no offense. Uh, Chicago. No, oh, I want <laughs> these sharks picking number one, baby. All right. Let's, yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> yes. Um, But uh, yeah, San Jose, Chicago, Philly are the teams that are for sure worse. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Montreal, Arizona, Nashville. But so when I'm like, where do they finish in the Pacific? The smart money is seven <laughs> just, just above San Jose. Uh, But the optimist in me will say five or six. I'll say six. You'll say six. All right. Uh, then, so yeah, the jump than Jose, uh, who else you got them jumping then? So, uh, I was struggling just because it's, it's very cliche and chalky to be like, okay, Edmonton Vegas LA at the top. And then there's three teams in the middle and then the two at the bottom, but someone's going to surprise one way or the other. So I mm-hmm. have e- either Vancouver or Calgary. One of those teams is going to be awesome out of nowhere. And one of them is going to be terrible. That's just my prediction. Just my fun little prediction. Yep but like stuff like that happens every year. So I'm going to say Calgary falls off just uh, like new coach, new, new GM uh, so many pending unrestricted free agents that maybe they they just bail on the season. You know what I mean? And retool.
0: So, yeah, I think you could see them just pushing the, the rebuild, like yeah, rebuild button in the middle of the
1: season and then just kind of fully lean into it. So uh, I'm not rooting for that, but yeah, that's, I can just see it happening.
0: Yeah, and I think with with Vancouver, it's there's so they have so many good players like Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes. Like you have so many good players, like they should be good, but that franchise yeah. is just so chaotic. And at one time, one year is just gonna finally click, or Elias Patterson is just gonna go freaking insane and just uh just snap and just leave everybody and <laughs> just yeah <laughs> on that team. So be like, yeah, I'm done there's with too much. Place.
1: There's too much talent on that team. And I, I, I don't know why they can't put it together, but maybe this is the year he's in a uh, Petterson's in a contract year. I think.
0: Yeah. He's an RFA um, though. Yeah. He's RFA after this year
1: and he's going to get all yeah, of the money. So exactly. he deserves all the money. Yeah, he does. So, and then Demko on the back, like I, there's, and I like I like bringing in Philip pronic too. So I, I, there's a lot of talent there. Hopefully. I mean, maybe not hopefully, but <laughs> you know, they can make a jump if, if everything goes right. Yeah. Patrick, you said it all. Where can the people <laughs> find you, buddy? Uh, you can find my writing at insidetherink.com. It's been a little slow lately, but it'll pick up, obviously, in the next month or so. Um, and then on social media, wherever, uh, at New Era Ducks. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm
0: sure we'll once the uh, draft. Uh, Profiles start rolling around. I'm sure you'll be back on at some point.
1: So, oh, uh, and they- just because I, yeah, just because I don't want to watch Mac and Celebrini <laughs> film doesn't mean I won't. <laughs> oh, you're totally I'm addicted. Watch yeah, I'm yeah. a, I'm a nerd. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, he's he's going. Uh, the The storyline makes too much sense. He played for the, the Junior Sharks. He's going to Boston. Like my career is just ready, yeah. ready to to trade the farm to get Celebrini on the yeah. Sharks. So. Enjoy it's, that. That's gonna be great. Yeah, Celebrini and Smith, let's go, <laughs> baby. So, be awesome. um, Patrick, we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Patrick. Um, I think for the Ducks, you're going to just see such a huge coaching improvement for them. And I think um, that was a big issue with them last year. Is they, they have talented players, right? You got Ziegler, you got McTavish. Um, I know Drysdale was hurt last year. Whatever they do with Leo Carlson, like, there's talented players on this team. And I think the coaching held them back last year. Um, so I expect to see them kind of make a, a nice little jump. Um, again, not be one of like a playoff team, but you could see this team being, you know, kind of picking around 10th in the draft instead of being the worst team in the nhl this year um and then kind of start to build on that as leo carlson gets and they start to get some of their defense other defensive prospects uh making their way into onto the team but um again like you can see the foundation for the ducks to be competitive here in the next couple seasons and um i can't wait for competitive ducks sharks hockey again um in a couple of years where the stakes actually mean something other than who's going to be picking a, um, the who's gonna be picking last in the draft? So, um, nothing like ducks, sharks. Just let's, yeah, let's let's bring it back. Let's let's have let's make California hockey good again. The Kings have done their part to make California hockey good again. Uh, the shark sharks and the ducks. They just need to get get their acts together here. So next couple of seasons. But, um, again, thank you to Patrick for jumping on and, and chatting with me. Uh, make sure you go and check out his stuff over at Inside the Rink. Um. But, yeah, that's going to be it for me today. We'll be back next week, uh, our last week of three episodes a week, and then we're back to full time after that. Um, so, again, make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Lockdown on Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter and threads at my MyFryHole. Until next week, bye, friends.